because when we see growth, we also see some of the things, the, some of the challenges that go with it. And we want to make sure we're growing with our communities and providing service that's going to get them to where they need to go. Hello, welcome again to Davis Beat, the podcast from your friends at the Davis Journal newspaper. I'm Tom Haraldson, the editor of the Davis Journal. And today I'm excited to welcome Beth Holbrook into our podcast studio here. Beth is a member of the Board of Trustees for the Utah Transit Authority. She's very well known locally. She served on the Bountiful City Council. She's been involved in lots of things, Utah League of Cities and Towns past president. But her, her role now, I think, as a trustee with UTA is very interesting because public transportation is something that's always on the forefront of a lot of our minds. And first of all, Beth, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Tom. Pre- appreciate Plus, you're a bountiful resident. So that's a, I know. This is a double bonus. That's true. We get to do this, and you, we can both go home because it's almost <laughs> the end of the day. So. so I have to tell you an experience I had today. Um, I went to a groundbreaking in Kaysville earlier today. Coming back on I-15 from Kaysville, traffic was very, very slow, probably 35, 40 miles an hour. I'm not sure what the problem was there. I was wanting to get back here as quick as I could to prepare for our podcasts. And lo and behold, on the right-hand side of my car, here comes Front Runner, just toodling down the track, no interruptions, probably 60, 65 miles an hour. I could look in the window and saw one guy was working on his laptop, a couple people were reading very relaxed. I've ridden front runner. It's a very relaxing way to go places. And I thought, there's an argument for not being in your car on I-15 stuck going 40 miles an hour. Um, so front runner has been a huge asset to Utah Transit Authority. But let's talk in general just about UTA and uh, Tell me about some of the exciting things that are going on, and then we'll get into some specifics. I'd be happy to. Um, some of the things that we are taking a look at right now, um, you mentioned Front Runner, and um, wonderfully enough, our state legislature actually invested $300 million into our um, strategic uh, double tracking uh, component to Front Runner, which basically is going to allow us to have more frequency. And we've discovered that frequency is really what's going to help people to get into public transit if they are not sure that it can work for them or if there's other questions that they have. Um, One of the things, though, that I would argue as well is that I would imagine also on that freeway, as you were sitting there watching Front Runner go by, yes, we we stay pretty much on time. But I bet you also noticed some of the air quality that were that you um, that was not very good today. And and those are the other components that when we look at when we look at our system as a whole, we want to make sure that we um, are maximizing the infrastructure that we've already invested into Front Runner, into some of our core bus routes, certainly in Salt Lake County, our tracks lines. And then we have other pilots that we're coming up on to play, which is our microtransit, which I, I can talk about later. Those are the things that we're looking at because when we see growth, we also see some of the things, the, some of the challenges that go with it. And we want to make sure we're growing with our communities and providing service that's going to get them to where they need to go. And we all know that we have a very limited geographical footprint in this particular area. That's just the nature of the Wasatch Front. And so how we maximize that is going to be really critical moving forward. I, I've been told or I, I've heard that one of the reasons we're having such a problem with air quality in the Salt Lake Valley in general is that we have all of these vehicles, you know, coming together in in pretty much a central area. 
maybe from Ogden all the way down to Salt Lake and perhaps even into Utah County. Uh, and, and people, we're, we're Westerners. We tend to want to have our own ponies in the race. So there's a challenge there. But more public transportation usage would certainly help the air situation. Think back, on, as you probably have thought, about the first two or three months when we were, when we were going through the quarantine. Fewer cars on the road. And what were we seeing? The mountains, clearly. You know, a good example of what happens when people stay off the roads with their vehicles. I, I think that if um, if there ever could be considered a silver lining of uh, this pandemic, it, that would be one of them. It, the ability to understand that we really do have an impact on our air quality and we can take steps, you know, structurally to, to mitigate some of these challenges that we have moving forward. Um, we look at public transit as an opportunity to to get people where they need to go in the most valuable way possible. In other words, as many people on that particular uh, train or bus so that they can actually live their life in a way that is going to be compatible with the life that they want to have. And and I say that because quality of life is a real, real critical piece. Um, yes, Westerners do love our cars, and I am so guilty of that as well. Um but at the same time, I think if I can make these changes to my to my day, I can have kind of the best of both worlds. I mean, one of the reasons no one leaves is we love our quality of life here in Utah. That's what we want to help preserve. And we want to help it so that when our children grow up and want to find uh, homes, jobs, all of these other elements, that we still have that great quality of life. I know that as a trustee, you actually are responsible, responsible is the right word, with three different counties, Weber, Davis, and Box Elder. And I assume the other trustees have the other counties surrounding the area as well. Correct. What What are the particular challenges with these northern counties? That is a great question. Some of the challenges that we see um, really originate kind of in Davis County because of the way that the lake is situated as well, how it really comes far, far east uh, when you're in the Farmington area. You really have to condense all of your transportation access points. Um, there's another challenge with, when I look at Box Elder County, Box Elder is in such a unique position. They have a lot of land, but they're very rural still in their field. They're very much the smaller communities, and, and people move there and love that quality of life there. But at the same time, they have land. And one of the things that we are really seeing is these are the cities that are growing exponentially. Developers are saying, you know, I'm going to buy a parcel here and I'm going to develop these properties. Most of them are single family. Some of them are apartments. Some of them are mixed use, all of these types of units. But once they get built, that's where that that's where the infrastructure is. And that's the biggest challenge is, is if you are still kind of in this space where I'm accustomed to having an acre lot and having these other amenities that go with it, and then you have to shift fast, it can make it a real challenge to kind of get on board when you're looking at either the land use and zoning or integrating public transit. So one of the challenges with these three counties, as you say, they're all very different, but are there similarities that you, you kind of meld together to try to come up with improvements for transportation? Absolutely. And one of the similarities or one of the key um, job creators in this region, and I would say this is for Davis, Weber, and Box Elder, is Hill Air Force Base. 
Hill Air Force Base, as you know, has come under some tremendous amounts of growth in the re- in the more recent years. And Northrop Grumman has moved in and is is building about a million square feet, and anticipates having a really large workforce. and And their workforce is not the kind that's going to be working from home. They have security issues and other things. Thus, they really have to be on site. And so, how do you get people to a location where there's just where everything is compressed into this relatively small area. You have I-15, you have I-84, you have all of these um, major east and west thoroughfares. That's the challenge in, in integrating Front Runner and our transit system into that. So I know we're going to talk a lot about buses, because when people think of UTA, they traditionally think of buses, first and foremost. Uh, and there's some exciting things you've got planned for Davis County. Uh, things you've talked about for a number of years. I believe uh, we've done a couple of stories about this for different papers, but uh, I think there was an, an environmental impact study or some kind of a study being done about bus rapid transit, some of the things that you've got planned there. Talk briefly about those, and we'll talk about more of those on the other side. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that we're looking at right now, in fact, that's just a great question because we literally had a meeting just the other day about what does that iteration of that uh, – what it's currently called the Davis Salt Lake City Connector, and that's a big long mouthful. Um, but that really is the goal. Is this? It's really focused on the southern Davis County portion, and getting into Salt Lake, which has you know, there's a lot of cities: North Salt Lake, Bountiful, Woods Cross, West Bountiful, Centerville, Farmington. Some of those are what we'd consider to be traditional, you know, suburbs of Salt Lake City. So you know that there's a lot of people going south into into the Salt Lake Valley. And yet there's also this connectivity piece of the airport. The University of Utah is another big draw for our current buses that are in that area, as well as going north. Farmington is becoming a big draw and um, other parts north. Again, Hill Air Force Base, so you're Clearfield as well. Those are the things that we're seeing. And so what we're trying to do is to really mitigate some of that um, narrowness of opportunity in terms of the geography by... um, Creating a bus rapid transit that's going to go from Farmington all the way into Salt Lake City up to the University of Utah. And there are several iterations of that that had kind of evolved over time. One of the big key elements, though, is that we want to make sure that there's frequency in that service as well as um, transit signal prioritization, or TSP. Um, there's a lot of acronyms. We, in we this love acronyms. Neck of the world, the right? Yes, absolutely. So. And those are the elements that we think are really going to be key to the connectivity piece. Because as a bountiful North Salt Lake, you know, as far South Davis County cities, they really are kind of seeing a lot of people going south. That's right. that's where all of our modeling has really led us to go, is they're going to Salt Lake City in some way. And conversely, though, if they're heading to the University of Utah, a lot of times they're coming right back into Davis County or they're heading north. And so that was one of the critical things that actually extended what our original modeling was, which was it would end in Bountiful and then head to Salt Lake. But we included Centerville and Farmington as well. You may not know the answer to this. Any any guess as to how many vehicles are on the road on a regular basis, weekdays from Davis County into Salt Lake? Do you have counts on those? You know, I get those counts from UDOT. However, I don't remember it off the top of my head. But I can give you an example of a community that's in South Davis. Um, Centerville City, for instance, has 16,000 cars on its main street a day. That's not the freeway. 
That is just one road. Wow. And um, it increases as you go further south. Bountiful is the second largest city. And then you get into Salt Lake, or excuse me, North Salt Lake. Those cities all have, well, Bountiful has some growth, but they have the majority of the population. And then North Salt Lake is still growing. They're all getting on those freeways daily. And um, as we've noticed, and as UDOT has has mentioned, one of the things that we're seeing is that traffic levels are actually higher um, pre than pre-COVID. Hmm. And in any projection models that happened in 2019 before the pandemic, they weren't projected to be as high as this. So those are some of the most challenging things that we're really seeing. And again, you noticed it as you were driving down that it wasn't a rush hour time no, frame. not at all. It was like one thirty in the afternoon, yeah. Another so. one of the things that, that we've noticed and, and that UDOT has mentioned as well is that we're seeing people actually, their whole travel patterns have changed. With the pandemic and with a lot of people teleworking, um, it has changed how people travel. And we're seeing more travel during the middle of the day. We definitely see... Um, pockets of congestion that didn't occur um, pre-COVID that we're now seeing. And it really changes how you're going to get people from where they need to go. And so one of the key things, frequency, which is why the bus rapid transit investment is really critical to that South Davis piece and connecting to Salt Lake City as well. Well, we're going to take a break here, but when we come back, I want to talk about pre-COVID versus post-COVID. We're not post-COVID, but since COVID, uh, with regards to to ridership, and also talk about a couple of other exciting things that uh, I've heard about are coming to South Davis County. So we'll, we'll do that on the other side here. Back with Beth Holbrook from UTA right after this. with Davis Beat and Beth Holbrook, trustee with the Utah Transit Authority and a community advocate here in Davis County, a bountiful resident. You've been involved with so many things. Before the break, we were talking about uh, some of the iterations that there, that you've discussed with regards to how we're going to increase frequency and involvement with, with passengers in Davis County. So talk more about that. I'd be happy to. Uh, one of the iterations that we eventually developed, in addition to where which cities are going to be included, so Farmington, Centerville, Bountiful, North Salt Lake to Salt Lake, we also looked at what's going to be the best um, the best way to create that frequency. And so this is why it's considered to be a bus rapid transit. So this bus is going to be a, a standard size bus. Um, we're looking at electric at this point, so that's going to require some infrastructure investment for charging stations, et cetera. We also, um, we're looking at the most connective way to do that east of our front runner system, which of course is just east of the freeway as well on, on this piece. Um, and our, our bus rapid transit is going to be that connector that hits the eastern side of these communities. Some would call it the foothills, and it is foothill a bit in some of those areas. And the goal of this bus rapid transit is really to have that 15-minute frequency all along the route so that you can get to the airport. You can get to downtown Salt Lake. You can get to the University of Utah. You could get to Farmington Station. Those are the things that are incorporated within this. And it is specifically designed to work with the transit signal process and the, the priorities, the prioritization that I talked about earlier. And so... 
a bus rapid transit is basically going to have this communication factor with all of these signals, which is really going to help it to navigate these um, areas to to keep that light green just a little bit longer. Um, but the communities of the size of South Davis, really the bus rapid transit is the ideal mode because we currently already have buses on these roads. So we're not going to be really creating any fundamentally huge shifts in terms of the mode itself. We're going to be enhancing the bus stops and the areas of connectivity. And in addition to that, if I can segue a little bit, we're also going to be introducing a microtransit um, project or pilot that we've already implemented in our Salt Lake County area. And I'd like to talk about this for just a minute because I think this is a really exciting addition to the bus rapid transit. I know that's something that Mayor Lewis and Bountiful has talked about specifically. He's very excited about the idea of microtransit. So yeah, tell us about that. So microtransit is going to add to the piece of the bus rapid transit in that, as you know, um, there are elevation changes. Even in Bountiful, there's a flat piece and then it's a gradual, gradual. And this microtransit is going to allow people to use an app-based program. So it's called Ride UTA and UTA On Demand. And they're going to be able to do it very similar to an Uber or a Lyft. You just put where you are and where you need to go. And the beauty of that is that it is going to be considered part of your pass program if you already have a pass with UTA, or it's um, just a $2.50 ride. There's not a, uh, you know, it doesn't matter the time of day, it doesn't matter the any of those other elements. It's going to be integrated within our bus system and it's going to be bus pricing. And the goal with microtransit is, let's say, so I, I do live on the hill, so I'm going to say this as myself. I live on the hill. And I wanted to get to a bus stop or I wanted to get to the Woods Cross Front Runner Station. So I would go onto my app, tell them where I live, and tell them where I need to go. And it will pick me up roughly a half a block. I happen to live in a cul-de-sac, so it's not going to go into the cul-de-sac, but it's going to go just down the street roughly half a block away. And then it, it could potentially pick up other people that are going to that similar destination. And it will drop me off. The goal is to basically create this really understood demand in this whole area. And that's going to be what we call geofenced. So you can only summon it if you're in these certain locations okay. within South Davis. And again, that goal is also to get 15-minute service. So if you, if you request it, you should get picked up and, and hopefully dropped off within that 15 to maybe 20-minute window. Will this be a van or some kind of a... Passenger vehicle? It is going to be a passenger vehicle. And another element to that, to this that's really um, a value is that there are probably, um, so it's probably like 20% of these vans are also ADA compliant. Mm. So if you are in a wheelchair or some type of mobility device, you'll be able to access it and use it. And in, in standard Uber and Lyft, that obviously is not an option because those are private vehicles. And so if you have... If you're in a wheelchair, for instance, and you need to get somewhere, you can still get there. And it doesn't necessarily have to have that transit nexus, although that's kind of the goal of it. If you are going to a doctor's office and you're within this geofenced area, same result, it will take you there. And the beauty of it, too, is that if you are in some type of mobility device, it's door to door. Wow. And you say this is already being done in Salt Lake, in parts of Salt Lake? Correct. Wow. There is actually... Um, we piloted it starting in November of 2019. Of course, we didn't have much data before the pandemic, 
but we had a lot of, we had about 500 riders a day, and it was in southwest Salt Lake County. And it was so successful that we've now integrated it permanently into our actual service model. So it's no longer in the pilot phase in southwest Salt Lake County, and it serves a geofenced area. And the top five locations are transit stops. So in Salt Lake County, it's a front runner, it's tracks. It's also a Walmart, a retail store. Um, That's where people are going. And that's what we want to do. And the additional beauty of this, we collect every bit of that data. So we can understand that if there's enough back and forth in these certain areas, maybe we do need to change the service model. Maybe we need to adapt. That's kind of the goal of microtransit. Here's a new acronym, WTA, Walmart Transit Authority. I don't think we want to go down there. So, but you should be getting a, a you should be getting a percentage of the profits from Walmart. So that's that's interesting. When you talked about the rapid transit, is this something similar to what you're doing in Utah Valley? Yes. Utah, near Utah Valley University. Yes, that is our first uh, BRT. It's called UVX, and it is really designed to connect our two frontrunner stops on in Orem and Provo. And as they do that, they go near two universities. One is UVU, which is the largest university in the state, and then BYU. And then it goes actually south within the community, and it ends in Provo in our frontrunner station. Okay. But in addition to that, it's also in within the city itself, so it's on their uh, university boulevard. One of the things that we found is that about 70% of those riders were students. We did anticipate that because we worked with those two universities to set up a program so that they just had to have their pass. What we didn't expect is that about 30% of those were actually people just within the community, no education nexus. And they had the ability to ride it for free because of a a CMAQ grant, which is a congestion mitigation and air quality grant. And... They got on everywhere within that system. Wow. And it really showed us that the frequency was really the key to getting people to feel comfortable with it. We talked during the break about uh, numbers being a little bit down compared to pre-COVID. And you talked about some of the things that that might have been causing that, and maybe they're starting to overcome those again. Touch on that briefly. So, yes, yeah, so we suffered a significant ridership um, decline as a result of COVID. And um, we, we lost about 60% of our ridership during those initial uh, years, April, March and April of 2020. And um, that's when everything was kind of shut down. Well, a lot and of so people weren't going to work, I would imagine, too. Correct. So, I think yeah. teleworking slash Zoom meetings 101 really kind of took off then as well. What we noticed, though, is that it kind of stayed roughly flat. Obviously, the biggest hit for us was commuter. So Frontrunner suffered the most um, ridership decline. Uh, they were like in the almost at 75%, which no surprise. Again, businesses were shut down. One of the things that really didn't change, though, is that our core bus routes, we were shuttling 41,000 riders a day in March and April of 2020. So right when we were shut down, we still had to get those essential workers out. Sure. And so that really taught us that it's not just nine to five. There's not a congestion, a break, a congestion. It was constantly used throughout the day. Subsequent to the initiation, the initial phase of the pandemic, once we started getting vaccinations on board, we began to see a real uptick in um, ridership, especially in our buses. Our front runner still lags behind. Tracks has um, kind of caught up to buses for the most part. 
Um, so we're not quite, we're not where we were uh, pre-COVID. But we anticipate getting back to those levels around 2024. And um, we are, it's a slow but steady increase. One of the elements that we work with really uh, a lot is our business community because we want to know what they're doing. And so there are several large entities um, in downtown Salt Lake, in, in Provo, in, in Lehigh, et cetera, that have not had their workers come back to work. So that does impact our ridership. And we anticipate that when, when things level out a little bit more, once COVID is kind of more understood, that we think will shift back to um, ridership. And again, we're having all of this growth, as you know, from the census of 2020, we have had significant growth just in the Wasatch Front alone. And that means that there's going to be more congestion. So we have to make sure that we are mirroring our service to help um, everyone get to where they need to go. How is it, how drivers, how's your employment situation? Are you, are you losing drivers? Do you need more drivers? Are you having the same challenges a lot of businesses are having right now? We certainly are having challenges. Um, and we, uh, we do need good quality drivers um, and operators. So those are the key things. Um, we also look at our mechanics programs, et cetera. And in fact, we're investing in a rail apprenticeship program to start that training because rail is such a very specific um, model that when you're having your mechanics take a look at this, you really want to have them well-trained. And we do that with our buses. Currently, we have a bus apprenticeship program. We really try to integrate um, better employment practices, I think, as, as other businesses are as well, to really make sure that we are reaching out to the people who are looking for this type of work and what we can do to help them get that level of understanding and, and knowledge. So I'm going to put you on the spot here with the crystal ball. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, here we go. Odd, oddly enough, we're as a paper, the Davis journal, just about ready to celebrate our first anniversary because we started last December. So let's forward to December of 2022. What happens, what do you envision happening between now and then? What's the most exciting or likely thing to happen with regards to UTA? No pressure here, Beth. Wow. Um, <laughs> why didn't I bring my crystal ball? That's the question <laughs> to ask. Um, I think that as we look at continued integration with um, businesses going back, there's going to be this, this evolutionary process of understanding what businesses are looking for, when people are going to be going to work, where else are they needing to go. So it's not just this you know, commute type scenario, right. people are needing to get to other locations as well. Like but, Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you couple that with um, all of the housing developments that are going on and just the general need to have this infrastructure, I would say that UTA will be continuing to refine some of what it has existing. So our core bus routes, we're also going to be finishing um I, I believe we're going to be almost finishing our business plan for the uh, double tracking, the strategic double tracking for Front Runner, which is really going to be a fascinating opportunity because that will increase frequency. So right now, frequency is 30 minutes on peak and one hour off peak. And the goal would be to get it to 15 minutes peak. And that 15 minutes makes a huge difference if you're going from, say, Ogden to Salt Lake City. Um, and... Those are the things that we're really trying to make sure that we can do. We also have a couple of other big projects coming along. We're currently working on our Ogden Bus Rapid Transit. Mm. So that will be almost completed at the end of 2022. There'll still be some things that need to get accomplished. Um, we are looking to do a Mid-Valley Bus Rapid Transit, and that will go from our Murray Station through Taylorsville, right near the uh, the Utah, the state of Utah's uh, 
new location in terms of their office buildings right. yeah. and the DOT, and that will end up in West Valley. All of these elements that we are trying to continue to develop, and in Utah County, the same thing. We're looking at a bus rapid transit for Point of the Mountain to connect over into, well, obviously what the Point of the Mountain will become, right. as well as into Lehigh. And then in addition to that, they have a Central Valley corridor um, that they're looking at as well to, again, get bus rapid transit, get people where they need to go and with frequency. So I think we're going to have more refinement on most all of those projects and we'll be close to completion on the Ogden bus rapid transit. That's my prediction. There you go. That and we will continue to integrate with all of our community partners to make sure that we are helping all of our stakeholders to understand what they're doing and then for them to know what we're doing. Great. Well, I want to invite you to come back in a year, and we'll see how you did. We'll, okay. we'll check your scorecard here and see how you did. But uh, lots of exciting things going on. The growth of the Salt Lake Valley, the state of Utah. And I think I saw a report today that Utah is the fastest-growing state in the country. Our population went up 18%. Unbelievable. Of course, that was three families, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> or four if you count Utah County. That's true. That's true. Absolutely. So, Beth, um, thank you for being here to, to talk about those things. And uh yeah, please come back. We'd like to do it again. I would love to. I love to talk infrastructure. I'm a total nerd when it comes to that. So I'm happy to do this and happy to come back. Appreciate that. Thanks so much. Beth Holbrook from Utah Transit Authority. That's our Davis Beat podcast for now. Uh, keep tuning in to us. You can go to our website, davisjournal.com, where you can find out all the podcasts that we've done. And as we put them online, we'll promote them in our paper as well. And subscribe to the Davis Journal if you haven't already done that. So have a good rest of your beginning of December. We'll probably have another podcast out before Christmas. And uh, just remember what we always say when it comes to covering all the things in Davis County, the Davis Journal can't be beat.